Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, coming to you from Narendra Modi Stadium, where Australia has just scored their fifth consecutive win of this World Cup to really just about cement their spot in the semi-finals. Louis Cameron joins me as always. It was a 33-run victory for Australia tonight over England, and it was a pretty comprehensive, can we say comprehensive performance? Comprehensive enough. I don't know about comprehensive performance. It wasn't their best performance. There are a few things that, you know, we'll talk about. But, look, we didn't get a result during the Ashes, you know, to all. I've been craving a result against England you know we went to England we didn't get one we got a result here you know they, they've got the moral ashes Australia have got the World Cup bragging rights uh, I think they'll be pretty pleased to you know extend England's pain further gee they've had a poor tournament it's been disastrous that's the only word for it Josh Butler he was very disconsolate at the press conference afterwards but let's get to Australia let's get to the scores of tonight's match and we do apologize if there's a bit of background noise we're in the stand here in one of the 110,000 seats here at Narendra Modi Stadium. Two of them. Two of them. Okay. We're not in the same seat. No, that's that's very... Just to be clear. Okay. Australia, they lost the toss today and they were sent into bat in hot conditions here in Ahmedabad. They ended up making 286, though. On the back of only one score over 50-plus, minus Labuschagne got 71 off 83. But there were other solid contributions from Steve Smith, who got 44. Cameron Green back in the side, who got 47. Marcus Stoinis got 35 in his first game back from a calf complaint. And then some very handy runs at the end of the innings. 29 by Adam Zampa. 286 was the score, and it started in disastrous fashion for England in something that probably summed up their tournament so far. Johnny Bairstow caught down the leg side off Mitchell Stark for a golden duck, and it didn't really get much better for the English from there. David Milan and Ben Stokes did get 50s and did put on a good partnership to sort of give them a little bit of a chance, but they were always behind the asking rate, and regular wickets led by Adam Zampa, who took the three big wickets of... Uh, ben Stokes, Moen Ali and Joss Butler left England 33 runs short at the end. A pretty comprehensive win, all things told. I mean, maybe 33 runs even flattered England in the end because to me, it never really felt like Australia were in danger of losing that one. Yeah, I mean, I think England at times threatened in their run chase and you kind of go back to the first innings when the player of the match today, Zampa, who you know we're going to spend a bit of time talking about here, uh, he whacked 29 off 19 balls at the end. Mitch Stark kind of hung around with 10 uh, Pat Cummins hung around with 10 and that probably was, you know, the difference in the end. You look at that partnership between Stark and Zampa, it was around, just looking at my notes here, 35 plus 3 is 38, 38, 38 runs. 38 yeah. runs. Yep, I'm not too good at maths. Uh, as listeners to this podcast probably <laughs> already know, 38 runs, you know, 38-run 30, lower wicket partnership and a 33-run win, uh, you know, is, is, pretty, uh, is pretty big. So, I mean, what a night he had. I mean, you know, the bowling was one thing. Um, the most economical figures at this World Cup so far for a 10-over spell. Uh, and then the catch, he took a, an amazing catch down at deep fine leg off David Willey, uh, almost sliding like a penguin on the outfield. You know, it was so dewy under lights that, um, that it looked like a lot of fun to dive at certain points. Um, in the evening, you saw David Warner kind of th- put his body on the line um, and Australia fielded beautifully. They caught everything, but, um, you know, Adam Zampa was, uh, was, you know, the, the, the man of the day. 
He was from his 10 overs, he took three for 21, including 41 dot balls. And he said to the press after the match that it was as satisfying an ODI as he's ever played. Let's hear what he had to say after the match. Um, yeah, I'd say tonight is as satisfying as it feels after an ODI in terms of my, my 10 overs. Um, bowling mainly to lefties, Milan, Stokes, Ali, they're, they're quality players. Um, and to yeah, sit back knowing that I went for 20 runs off 10 overs, um, my length control was as good as it's been. Um, so yeah, it was a really satisfying one tonight. So with 19 wickets at 17 now, I think it is, he's the leading wicket taker in this tournament. Um, and, you know, it's been a, a roller coaster ride. Like he's, um, he's had back spasms. He's had, you know, other little niggles along the way. Um, maybe getting up to the, the nice air in Durham Sala kind of helped him out. So Australia only had three days up there, but um, after they, they played that game, most of the squad came down here to Ahmedabad uh, to, to play golf um, infamously now uh, that uh, the golf course in Ahmedabad where Glenn Maxwell fell off the back of a golf cart. Um, but a few of them stayed back in Durham Sala and did some hiking and trekking and, um, you know, maybe praying and stuff with Tibetan monks, yep. meditating, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, I think it really benefited him, you know, especially uh, with his, his young family here. He's got a he's got a young son, and you know, just kind of that's his vibe, isn't it? I think it more so than than playing golf. So uh, maybe that helped him, and, and physically, a lot a uh, seven day break between games would have helped as well. So um, you know, hopefully, he can get those body issues right mm. because it still seems like he's not quite a hundred percent. You asked him about it at the press conference, yeah. and uh, you basically said, you know, how's your body? And he said, eh, good. Um, which suggests that work in progress exactly yeah. right so they've still got two big groups well I mean two medium sized group stage games um, you know maybe one big one and one not so big one if they can knock off Afghanistan in the first one uh, because it will mean that the Bangladesh one probably is will only decide where they finish in the top four um, and then two semi you know two finals uh, they hope after that it's been an incredible turnaround for Zampa. I mean, we touched on this podcast right at the start of the tournament. In those first two games, he looked way off the pace, probably because he was hampered uh, by that injury. And then since then, starting with the match against Sri Lanka, three four-wicket hauls and two three-wicket hauls. It's mm -hmm. just been an incredible run for Zampa. And, of course, he's also taken the most wickets in the tournament overall, but also in the middle overs, which is mm. an area where Australia have really struggled and without him, uh, they'd be well down that table. So he's a crucial player for them. It is. And you talk about the middle overs and it's still, I reckon, an area of concern for the Aussies when they bat. So 286 today, you know, I didn't think that was a fantastic total. And I reckon if they were being honest with themselves, they would have thought at least 300, mm -hmm. uh, maybe 320 might have been something they would have been a bit happier with. I know, you know, both teams kind of spoke about the wicket, you know, being a, a little tacky and a little bit slow. So maybe I'm being a touch harsh, but... Um, just kind of thought a, a lot of them had the game by the, the scruff of the neck with the bat, I suppose. So, I mean, if they're all, you know, getting out between 30 and 40, I'd, you know, you could probably see um, that point of view that 286 might have been a good score. But you look at Marnus, 71 off 83, uh, Smith, 44 off 52. Um, Cameron Green had his best performance of the tournament with 47 off 52. Uh, those guys could have all gone on, you know, the 40s could have gone in been turned into mm. 80s and the 70 might have been turned into 100. Uh, I thought Marcus Stornis played really well and probably his best batting performance of the tournament. I know he bashed a couple of sixes for one of the games where I wasn't in the country yet, um, but he looked really accomplished. He he managed to clear the boundary twice on a really big 
um, playing surface yep. here. I reckon it's probably, you know, well, it's definitely the biggest out of the venues I've been to in India. Um, you know, possibly the biggest in the World Cup. And I, I think the where they're playing next in Mumbai is a, is a little bit smaller. So um, if he's hitting him over the rope here, that's that's a good sign for him. Um, but, uh, you know, him, they really needed him tonight because there was no Maxwell. Well, just on Glenn Maxwell, we know that he's missed tonight with that concussion sustained on the golf course, but he's been given the all clear to return for the next match in Mumbai. It leaves Australia with a bit of a uh, selection dilemma because we've also heard just today during the match that Mitch Marsh will return from Perth. Uh, he's been with his family for personal reasons and he'll now return to the squad and is also available for selection. So we've got those two coming back in. Does that is it as simple as Green and Stoinis going straight back out for those two? No, I don't think it is. Um, and I think this was probably the issue they thought, this is what I kind of wrote in my preview, that this was the issue they thought they were going to have for this game, right? That um, they'd have everyone available, all 15 players there, heads fit again, um, and then the Marsh and Maxwell curveballs kind of happen. So, I mean, a couple of things, you know, Marsh and Maxwell, yes, they're, um, it seems likely they will play, but, you know, one of them has been concussed and, you know, you, you never know how that's going to play out over the course of the, the eight days that they have the protocols for. That's why they have the protocols. Um, and Marsh will have, you know, had two really long plane rides um, to and from Perth and obviously, you know, a significant kind of personal uh, upheaval, I suppose. So, you know, they would want to err on the side of um, caution with rushing him back, probably probably more so from the physical point of view, I'd say. But then if they do want to bring them straight back in, well, I think I think Stoinis is in the team that they want to pick. I think he's in their first choice team. I, I think Marnus kind of seems to be the one that... Really? Well, After top scoring? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't think it would change anything. Um, you know, he, he batted fantastically tonight. He's, he's batted pretty well all tournament, and he's kind of come in in some really tough spots. He came in in a tough spot tonight after I lost a, a couple of early wickets to Chris Wokes um, and did really well. But um, I think that's the balance they want. I mean, you know, you, when you have Ma Maxwell and Marsh back there, you, you do get a lot more bowling. But um, I think Stoinis's bowling is something that they really rate. You know, he was bowling there at the death tonight. They trust him at the death. They trust him through the middle overs. I think more so than Mitch Marsh. I think he's a bit quicker, um, can hit the, hit the pitch a bit more. Um, and uh, and just with the, the you know the 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 physical concerns that you have over Marsh and Stoinis's bowling, um, I think they like to have both of them just kind of cover all their bases. Pat Cummins has spoken a little bit about how finding 50 overs is almost the hardest thing to do as for him as a captain, especially in India. So um, that's where I think they would probably be leaning towards. But, yeah, maybe maybe a 70 from Manus here can, you know, sway them. Yeah, you touched on Manus's strike rates and he's come in some difficult situations and that has copped some flack during this tournament. In my opinion, a bit unfairly because, mm. yeah, the situations that he's batted in has justified going at 80, 75 sort of strike rate. I mean, some really tough conditions in luck now where he batted and then we saw against uh, the Dutch where he could move it on even. So I, I'm, I hope that isn't used as a reason for his exclusion. But as you say, he's not really a bowling option and it also means that uh, you have one less uh, accumulator in that middle in that middle order, I suppose. So, Yeah, well, I think it would be used as a reason for its exclusion. And, you know, that might be harsh, but, um, you know, that, that team with Steve Smith, Steve Smith is in that team. Um, you know, you'd argue Manus has had a better tournament than Steve. Uh, but are you going to drop Steve Smith? You know, I don't think they are. So is there room for both of them? Look, I actually do think there is when it's a night like this, not just because Marsh isn't here, but 
because you can put them at three and four. I think when you push them down to four and five, that becomes the issue. Yeah, well, you had a stat about that, didn't you? Yeah, well, just the I think though before this game, I haven't looked it up since, but uh, before the game, they were averaging 40 per innings between them uh, when they, not between them, per batter per innings, yep. they're averaging 40 when they come in before the 15th over uh, and when they come in after the 15th over, uh, they're averaging about half that. I think it was about 22. Really? Now I think about it, that average would probably have gone up to maybe 50 or 60 when you consider uh, Smith, you know, more or less made his average at 44 and um, Marnus made 71. They came in in the sixth and second over respectively. So th they're, they're significantly better players when you give them time to get into their innings. Likewise for Cameron Green, I think, who I was surprised that he got bumped down beneath Josh Inglis tonight because you kind of saw once he got the chance to, um, you know, kind of get over those slow starting, uh, you know, kind of things that he, that he has there, he's a really, really good player. Um, and he, he kind of showed that tonight uh, and it, it's come despite, you know, some, some struggles. Yeah, Adil Rashid bowled really well, two for 38 off his 10 overs and Green handled him pretty well, I thought, uh, considering he can send it both ways, Rashid. So definitely tough call for the Aussie selectors uh, on where they go for the next match, which is in Mumbai. It's against Afghanistan, who are still in the hunt for the semi-finals, in fact. So plenty on the line for them as well as we uh, head towards Australia's penultimate match of this World Cup. Yeah, and that's going to be a really different challenge. So, I mean, it's the kind of game that you kind of say, well, Australia don't really lose those kind of games. There aren't those big upsets um, that you often see with, with England. Um, the question, I suppose, is whether Afghanistan is that kind of team, whether this is that kind of game, because Afghanistan have been playing fantastic cricket. They've had four wins from seven games. They've knocked off Pakistan. They've knocked off England. They've knocked off some really good teams in this tournament. Um, their bowling attack is as good as anyone in this tournament. Um, I think we probably knew that was just about there, although they've probably even exceeded expectations on that front. But it's the batting, you know. They got some, you know, really exciting guys. So that's going to be really interesting on a, you know, a smaller ground, um, and you know, potentially one that might spin a bit and offer them, you know, a bit of assistance. Short ball, straight up. Keeper says mine. It is his. The game and the day belongs to Australia. The world champions England now officially out of the tournament. So a moment of the day. Now, early wickets were really important today. So obviously Chris Wokes got those two after Joss Butler decided to win the toss and bowl first, getting Warner and head out. Mitchell Stark responded by getting John Bairstow uh, down the leg side early on. And then he had Joe Root flashing outside the off stump. There was a bit of a muffled appeal. Josh, what was the moment? <laughs> well, today's moment of the day, it was a bit of a redemption story for Manus Lavashain. He's got a bit of a reputation as being the guy not to listen to when there's the little consultation they have now for potential reviews. But this one, yeah, past the flashing blade of Joe Root and Manus head in from square leg as he normally does. And he, he was saying, I heard a big noise, a big <laughs> noise. And he was- We've heard that before. He was holding out his hands like fishermen do when they've got a big catch <laughs> about how big the fish was. <laughs> how big the spike it would be, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, that's what he was doing. And after a bit of convincing, Pat Cummins with only a second or two left on the timer said, all right, Minus, I'm gonna trust you again. And sure enough, it came through and the, the celebrations in the huddle was probably as animated as the team had been all night. They got around him and a big grin from Manus, which we didn't see him uh, wipe off his face for the rest of the night. Well, they're more interested here. They're more interested. 
He brought through the freezing shall not our decision to out. Stand by. It's really, you know, the boy who cried wolf with him. <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to think of another moment where he's been up and about and saying, yeah, I heard something, I heard something, I heard something, and then Pat Cummins or whoever the captain is said, nah, Marnus, I don't think there was a, a nick on that one. And then they were proven wrong oh, in hindsight. Yes. Like, I'm trying to think if they didn't have ever not reviewed one on that, but I can't think of any no. examples like that. So they normally do well to ignore him, but uh, it sounds like maybe a couple of the other Australian players might have also thought that one was out. He's taken a lot of credit for this. Um, I think I was also saying take take the take the review, but yeah, it was cameras got to Manus, so um, but yeah, he he was happy with that one. I said no worries, mate. I wasn't involved in that at all. At all don't worry. Yeah, so that was Adam Zampa saying that uh, he also heard the noise. So well done to both Manus and Adam. Now, Lou, one final question before we finish this: Are we going to be back here at Narendra Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad on November 19 for the World Cup final? Do you think? You know what? I hadn't even considered that. This is already my second time here. Uh, probably one more time than I expected to be back here. <laughs> and you know, after watching Australia lose to South Africa and India earlier in this tournament, I probably didn't expect to be uh, coming here for the World Cup final, but they're right in with a shot, aren't they? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, A, can they make that semi-final? I think they will. I think they should be, you know, good enough to win against either Afghanistan or Bangladesh. Remember, they only need to win one of those two games now to qualify. Uh, and then, you know, to knock off uh, an India or a South Africa or uh, one of those teams, you'd think they're probably going to play one of those teams, right? Because they're probably only going to finish as high as third. And, uh, you know, India, South Africa are looming in first and second position. Can they do it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they can. I mean, okay. I mean, uh, they can do it. Um, I would think that India or South Africa, if they can get to a semi-final against them, would start favourites. They've both had better tournaments in Australia. Uh, but we know Australia's records in big games in World Cups. So that would be intimidating. It's been pretty good, hasn't it? Uh, not many group games left in this World Cup. So make sure you join us for November 7 against Afghanistan from the famous Wankhede Stadium in Mumbai. We look forward to your company on that episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.